So, cool. We are starting Advent. It's the first week of Advent, which is where we get ready for Christmas. I cannot believe that it's coming up to Christmas time already. But we're going to think about the kingdom of God. So together today we're going to think about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where God gets to be king. So where what God wants to happen actually ends up happening. That's what God's kingdom is. And sometimes, as I think about this, sometimes we can think that we're the kings of our own kingdom, can't we? Maybe if you're on the playground, you sing the little song, I'm the king of the castle, you're the da-da-da-da, and we're the king of the playground. Or maybe at home, this is my chair, this is my seat, this is my TV, uh, this is my castle, as Daryl Kerrigan put it famously. Or at work, maybe it's your space, your cubicle, your office, your, uh, your business. Maybe we're the boss and we sometimes remind people that I'm the boss. We have these kingdoms that come up all over the place. But Jesus says the best kingdom, the best castle, is where God is king. So let's think about these words, for the least of these. We put these up and then at youth group, all the kids were like, what does that say? What does that mean? So we're going to think about that. For the least of these, we had the Bible verse where this comes up earlier in the book of Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is teaching about what his kingdom, what the kingdom of God is like. He tells of how if we say to God, hey, I'm such a faithful person, God, I believe in you, God, I want to follow you. But if we haven't looked after people who are sick, people who are hungry, people who are thirsty, people who are homeless, people who are shivering uh, in prison, then it's like we've actually still been ignoring God, even if we say, God, we believe in you. But, says Jesus, when we do look after someone who is hungry, when we do look after someone who is thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison, it's like we're actually looking after God's. And I think this teaches us a few things, and it's, it's pretty tricky and it's pretty big, but we're going to focus on a few things, and our superheroes actually help us to see this as well, help us understand this, because it's actually what being a superhero is about. Batman and Superman, and there was lots of them. They look for people that need help. If they're not looking for people that need help, then they're just super strong or super smart or super fast. They're not actually superheroes unless they're actually helping people, helping the least of these, the people that need help. So through this we learn that God loves everyone, even the poor, even the sick, even the stinky, and that, yes, God wants us to have faith, God wants us to pray, but he also wants us to care for everyone, care for people, look after each other, especially the people that can't pay you back. Because if someone's hungry and you give them some food, they're probably not going to be able to pay you back. They're probably not going to be able to give you any food back or any money because that's why they're hungry in the first place. But Jesus says, do it anyway. It's a gift and it's gone. Or if someone at the office or at the school is having a really tough day, they're really sad, they're really stressed, things just aren't going well. If we care for them in some way, and they're struggling that much, they're not going to be able to pay us back. They might say thank you, they might appreciate it, but they can't pay us back straight away, if ever. But Jesus says, 
to do it anyway. Okay, let's talk about cubby houses. Blanket forts in our house, all that, these photos, one's from my house, uh, the bottom one, one's from the church hall before we changed it. There's some big blanket forts. They're from a few years ago, but they were epic. In our house, uh, when the blankets come out, when the cushions come out, when the pegs come out and turn into tunnels and hidey holes, we have great fun. The kids and half of the adults absolutely love it. Uh, the house transforms. And I think we can think about the kingdom of God like a cubby house. If we make a cubby in the lounge room of our house there and we step inside that cubby and the world changes and if that becomes all that we think that the world is, this little kingdom that we've made, this little cubby house that we've made, if that becomes our entire world, we're going to have problems. Because when it's lunchtime and you need to get some food, you can't just stay in the cubby house. You've got to venture out into the kitchen or somewhere else to find some food. Or if we need to go to the toilet, you've got to leave the cubby house. If you need to have a sleep, it's going to be much more comfortable to go to your bedroom rather than stay in the cubby house. I think God loves it when we make cubbies, when we create something, when we make something that fits and shows his kingdom. But we have to remember that it is still God's house. It's still God's kingdom. If we forget this and we be our own boss, we try and do things our own way, and that's one of the definitions of sin, then the lounge room cubby builders, uh, they can actually end up destroying the house. So if we forget that the house, the kingdom, is God's kingdom, and if the cubby builders decide to just build cubby houses wherever they want, and they knock down a wall here, and they knock down a wall there, and they remove and they destroy, and the cubby just becomes whatever the cubby builders want it to be, well, as a house owner, I would have an issue. As a dad, I would have an issue. I'd be upset for lots of different reasons, because I don't want my kid's cubby's house to destroy the bigger house that we're a part of. I want their cubbies to reflect a part of what's going in my house. And I want them to be made and built within the boundaries of the walls of the house that's already there. It's the same with God's kingdom. Just as a cubby in my own house is a way of creating something pretty cool, all of creation is God's kingdom, God's house. And when we care for the least of these, when we do that, when we care for the least of these, well, the people that can't look after themselves or simply people just need help, well, we're creating something remarkably cool, like a cubby, even cooler, within God's kingdom. But we have to remember that there's, it's God's house. So, God loves everyone and wants us to care for them as well. This is going to be our theme for Advent. The least for the least of these. And it's going to help us get ready and remember what Christmas is about, why Jesus was born, why Jesus came. It's a pretty hard statement, though, because I wonder if you can think of someone who really annoys you. Don't say it. Just think. Thinking, thinking can be tricky. Someone that really annoys you just winds you up the wrong way time and time again or just happens once or twice. God loves them. God loves that person. Or 
Is there someone that you don't think should be able to play the game that you're playing? Maybe they just ruin it. Maybe they destroy it. They don't follow the rules. Maybe they're too good. Uh, Or maybe someone at work who you don't think should be doing that project that you're working on, whatever it is. God still loves them. God loves everyone. And this is a really hard lesson to learn. Jesus, in fact, had to keep teaching his disciples, the people that followed him around everywhere. He had to keep teaching them over and over and over and over and over again. God loves the Jews. Yes, they were on board with that. God loves the Samaritans. Maybe, okay. God loves the Gentiles, the people that don't even believe in God. It took them a long time to learn that and actually step out into living out that love as well. God loves everyone. This is a hard lesson to learn. No matter what day of the week it is, a Sabbath or not, God still loves. And so there's a story that we're going to look at today. It's a little story which talks about, which demonstrates from Luke this idea of loving the least of these. It's in all the other Gospels as well, but we're going to look at Luke chapter 18, verse... Oops. There we go. Luke chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. Short little story. So, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is a short story, but it's a big story as well. So babies, they often didn't live very long back when this story was told, when Jesus was walking around. And they also weren't seen as very important. Because if you couldn't work, if you couldn't harvest, if you couldn't make something or fix something or look after someone, then you weren't seen as very useful or valuable. Not until you were a bit older. So the parents, they were probably hoping that Jesus would make sure that their children, their babies, would grow up to be helpful and uh, be able to produce and able to help out, wanting to be successful people. And so they're bringing their babies so that Jesus might help make that happen. They've seen them heal. They've seen Jesus heal other people, make other people better. So why not babies, said the parents. But the disciples, they think, nah, nah, no way. Jesus is too busy. Jesus is too important. Come back when you're older, they essentially say. You're too young. Come back when you're older. I wonder, have you ever had that said to you? You're too young. I remember when I was a kid not being allowed to watch certain TV shows and I just couldn't wait to be able to grow up so I could do whatever I wanted, so I could choose what I wanted to do. It's crazy, isn't it, how we're always just wanting to reach that next milestone, get that little bit older, be able to do that something more. I don't think it's just me. Thinking that when we reach that, when we get to that point, life then will be good, life will be more complete, life will be full then. Maybe if we're three years old, we just can't wait to go to school or maybe when we're in primary school we're looking forward to high school so much then life will get better or maybe we just can't wait to get a job be able to buy our own things or then we can't wait to get a real job in the real world maybe getting married is that thing you just can't wait and then life will be better or maybe it's getting a house or getting grandkids when we get grandkids then life will get better or maybe it's when I get to retire then life will get better I think these are all great things, but if all we do is live our lives waiting for that next thing, 
uh, before we actually want to start living, then we're missing out on life now. We're missing out on what we can contribute to God's kingdom now, today, whatever age we are. Yes, we want to keep growing. Yes, we want to keep learning. Yes, we want to keep dreaming. We want to keep creating stuff and improving. But remember that right now, we have a chance. We have the opportunity to grow God's kingdom and to be a part of God's kingdom, no matter how old you are, no matter what stage of life you're in. And the school student protest this week reminded me of this greatly. I think it spoke to this uh, potential that our young people have. And there were lots of different mixed reactions as to whether kids should be doing this or not, especially on school time, and is it a place, can they have a say, should they or not. Lots of different stories. Uh, Whatever happened, they stood out, they did it, they stepped out, and we'll see. Time will tell whether it makes a difference or not. But Jesus is saying that it doesn't matter if you're two days old, it doesn't matter if you're years old, it doesn't matter if you're decades old, we can still be in God's kingdom. And you don't have to wait to grow up to be involved in God's kingdom because God loves everyone. In fact, says Jesus, it is better if you are younger, if you are more humble. It's not so good if you think you've got it all together and you're a super hot shot, got all your bling and your friends and your followers and you have everything sorted. It's better to be able to approach the kingdom of God like a child. Well, what does that look like? I think back to being a kid, and when you're a kid, sometimes life is complex, absolutely, but most of the time, life is pretty simple. Life is pretty simple when we're kids. You eat, and you play, and you do your homework, and you play, and you go to school, and you play, and you do your chores, and you sleep, and if you have a bad dream, then you end up in mum and dad's bed, and life can be as simple as that. Sometimes it's not, but as a kid, generally, yeah. Most children, they don't need to worry about where the next meal is coming from. It just comes. The trust that they put into the caring adults in their lives, I think, is somewhat how Jesus wants us to approach him, to approach God. So if childlike faith is one thing, I wonder if adult-like faith is the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. In fact, straight after this, in verse 18, there's a story about adult-like faith because there's a ruler. There's someone who governs, like a politician, making rules, enforcing them. They happen to have lots of money and lots of power, and they say, Jesus, how can I have eternal life? Jesus says, easy. Or you've done all these other things. One more thing, you just need to give away everything you've got. He gets really, really sad because he doesn't want to do that. He says, just trust Jesus in order to gain eternal life but he can't he's holding on to that kingdom so much his own little kingdom that he can't release it and step into God's kingdom I think adult like faith tends to look at consequences and risks and costs and protects their own kingdoms that are established childlike faith it tends to look at joy and mystery and the adventure that awaits So like a kid, we do well when we find ways to be present wherever we are, to be creative and use our imagination to trust God, trust the people around us when we can and to live our lives, to tell stories that fit, that sit within the boundaries of God's house, God's kingdom. When we do this, when the things that we create are a part of God's kingdom, we do well. 
So, maybe this week, find ways that you can bring joy. Find ways that you can bring happiness. Find ways that you can bring trust into people's lives. And may we find ways of experiencing this in our relationship with God as well, for ourselves. May we use imagination in how we look at and care for the least of these. As we get ready for Christmas, may we remember that Jesus came and loves everyone, came for, came for and loves everyone, including children, no matter how old you are, and that the way in which children live, the way in which children love, the way in which children trust and depend on reminds us how we should actually be seeing God as well, with a childlike faith. Let's pray. Father God, Jesus, you taught us to call God Father, to approach you like a child, to anticipate that you have something good planned for us, that you will look after us, that you will care for us, and you also then call us to go and do the same for others, to care for the least of these. God, this can be really hard. Jesus, you know this can be really tricky to do. When you're tired and when you're sore and when you're grumpy and life just isn't going well. But God, give us strength. Give us eyes to see the people that we can care for. Help us to be wise. Help us to take breaks and rest and look after ourselves in that process too. But God, this week, help us to step out in imagination, in creativity, finding ways that we can look after people. In Jesus' name, amen.